have all of these, these topo maps to keep me company. <laughs> so I got like the Emigrant Wilderness topo map. That's uh, right outside of Yosemite National Park. And uh, this is a place up in Maine that I've been to and backpacked at, which is awesome. The Adirondack Mountains, um, the Olympic National Park, which I've gotten to hike through. The it's just, it's a beautiful topo map. I used to keep this one on my wall. So I've got that, I've got Yellowstone National Park, all of these topo maps that keep me company. So even though, you know, there's sadness of uh, my kids leaving me, I've got topo maps. So you're probably thinking to yourself, I thought Larry was strange. <laughs> now I'm sure. If you wanna, if you don't know what topo maps are all about and you wanna grab one during the service at any point, you can just come up and grab one. <laughs> So, um, so I love topo maps. I have Google Maps on my phone. I keep it on terrain mode. I don't know if you realize this, but you can set it to terrain mode, and it shows like the contour lines. So you might not know what a topo map is. Today is your lucky day. You get to learn a little bit about topo maps, how lovely they are, how important they are for our life. For instance, um, so topo maps show they have contour lines on them that show the elevation. So some of the maps will show lines every 20 feet or every 50 feet or 100 feet. This depends on the map. Um, for instance, if you were going to walk, you're like, hey, I'm going to walk up to Fort Tryon Park and go to the garden. It's really important to know that it's like 100 feet elevation change. You're going, going up 100 feet. That's really important. So topo maps are really important for our lives. And don't you want to know like where all the mountains and rivers are around? They, they turn. Yeah, of course. Thank you. I appreciate that. So they turn a flat map into this three-dimensional thing that lets you know where the valleys are and the little rivers kind of flowing and creating these canyon areas. And this is really important stuff for life. So I've got all these maps to keep me company if I get, um, I get sad. So I get to know. I can look on my map and see where all the mountains and that sort of thing is. So I need a little crowd participation. Um, we're going to do a topo map no, we're not, actually. But I do need your help a little bit. I do need your help a little bit. So, um, so there's something really important about topo maps and maps in general that um, if you're on a trip somewhere or whatever, there's some things that you need to know and one particular thing that you really need to know on a topo map. Um, and I'm curious if you guys know what it is. So what do we need to know when we're using a map? Like, what's a, what are important things to know? Oh, the scale of distance. I mean, is this a mile or is this like 100 miles? That's good. What other stuff? <laughs> yeah, you need a friend along who knows how to use topo maps. Okay, what else? What are the things you need to know when you're like journeying on a topo map? Directions, that's good. Other stuff? Ha! Good job! Where are you? You are here. Where you are? I was hoping that wouldn't give away. I appreciate you guys throwing other things out to humor me a little bit. So you are here. You need to know where you are on a map so that, you know, you can figure your way around. Um, and the map is actually um, helpful. So this map here is uh, the topo map, the beautiful, lovely topo map that Emma and I used a couple years ago. We went on a backpacking trip in the Rocky Mountains. And this is the topo map that, um, that we used to find our, uh, our way around. And we were hiking in the Lost Creek Wilderness area. That's the name of the area. And we didn't want to actually get lost. We never saw the Lost Creek, so I guess we didn't get that lost. So we didn't want to get lost, so we took a map, and we had a topo map, and we could follow along. And it's got all these contour lines. So we're able to see kind of what the route is that we wanted to take and the highs and lows. And our goal was to, like, hike 
an, just an amazing route that would show us all the beautiful stuff and great scenery so we could see off in the distance and all that sort of thing. So, um, so in our case, we flew into Denver, we took a car, and we drove to this Goose Creek parking lot, and we got our gear on our back, and we hiked to the Goose Creek trailhead, and, uh, and then we knew we are here, and we started our journey, and so we could kind of map our way. Now, an important since I'm telling you about topo maps, there's one thing I need to let you know. Um, the uh, topo maps like this, they, they're not connected to GPS. So there's no little blue dot that says you are here. Sorry, we've invented a lot of things, but we've not invented paper that tra tracks your GPS location. So if you happen to find yourself out in the real world using a topo map someday, then um, you just need to be aware when you open it, you're like, there's no, where's the GPS? So on Google Maps, you ever had a Google Maps or phone map experience where you're trying to get somewhere and you look in your map and there's no little blue dot? You're like, how am I supposed to find my, I don't even know where I am on this map. And it, maybe it's like in another part of the country or something, for whatever reason it opens up in Spain and you're like, I don't know where I am. And then eventually the GPS kicks in and there's a little blue dot that says you are here. Paper maps like this, they don't have one of those. So you actually, you're out in the real world, in the wilderness, and you're thinking, okay, how on earth do I know where I am? You are here is really important. My location is really important, but I don't really know how to find it on a map. Uh, and that's sort of like real life, like trying to figure out where am I, what's going on with life, which leads us very nicely to the introduction for this new teaching series that we're doing uh, called You Are Here. So, all right, that's all the topo map excitement. But if you want a, a more in-depth lesson, let me know. I'd be happy to help you out. So, um, so we're kicking off this new series that we're calling You Are Here. And the goal of uh, the leaders at Everyday Church, our goal at the beginning of the year, is to start with a teaching series that is super practical and a little bit experiential. So we get to do some things together and to try some things out that uh, really relate to our lives, particularly looking at our lives and the arrangement of our lives and kind of how we have life structured uh, to get a sense of kind of how do we want to map out our year a little bit? Where am I and where is God taking me and what is a part of the journey that, um, that he has for me? And so that's our goal uh, with this series is to give us some time to reflect and evaluate and raise our awareness of life. And if we don't know where we are on that map, then it's really hard to know which direction you go. Do you turn right or left? Do you follow the trail? Do you make a new trail? Um, what's the right, you know, what direction am I heading in? What is the right direction anyways? How do I even know what the right direction uh, to head in? So this idea of you are here, and a big part of this series is focused on self-awareness. So this idea of growing in my awareness of myself. If you were to uh, look up self-awareness in the dictionary, this is the way it's uh, often defined. Uh, self-awareness is conscious knowledge of one's own character, feelings, motives, and desires. So this conscious knowledge, this awareness of one's own character, feelings, motives, and desires. I saw another person's explanation of self-awareness. They put it this way. Put simply, self-awareness is an understanding of who you are, what your strengths and weaknesses are, how you got to be that way, and how your presence and your behavior affect 
the people around you? Who are you? How aware are you of your own character and your feelings and your motives and your desires and all of these things that are sort of swirling around inside of you? How did you get to be that way in the first place? What, what brought you to this moment and to this point? What effects do you have on the people um, around you? What challenges are you facing in life? What are the problems that are kind of facing you right now? What are your circumstances? What situation do you find yourself in? All of that is a part of this idea of you are here. You are here right now. But are we self-aware? Are we aware of what it means to be here where I am in my body and in my life? So a uh, silly example of this. Uh, Wendy, Lily, and Clara and I, so four of us were in the car driving back from, um, from our holiday travels. This happened actually a couple of days ago. So we're in the car, and we just left family, and someone sent Wendy a text, and it was a really nice text about me, actually. And she got this text. She was like, oh, Larry, let me read this text to you, which I, you know, it was nice. She read it, and I was like, oh, feeling all good about myself for like 30 seconds. It was, it was great. And then she got another text, and she read that one out loud, and everybody in the car, all the girls started laughing. And it was one of those moments where it was like we all ha en were enjoying this joke, but I didn't get the joke. And they're all laughing, and I was kind of like, I don't understand what's going on, but that second text, that I didn't love that text. That didn't feel very good. In fact, it hurt a little bit, and I had these, emo it like canceled out the good feelings, like great feelings, and then poof, they're gone all of a sudden. So I'm kind of sitting there like, ugh. And it, I think it became obvious maybe to them that I, at least to Wendy, that I wasn't joining in the joke. I didn't really get what was going on. And so we talked for a second, and I'm still, this is still something I'm trying to figure out a little bit. It was not nothing big, but it just so happens that uh, if some of you ex have experienced this, I love you. Just know I love you. But um, it just so happens that when I say goodbye to people, there is something that I do that makes them feel a little bit guilty saying goodbye to me. And I was like, what? Like, it's this moment of like, I don't understand. I don't know what, what you mean. And there's something about the way I look on my face. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure this out because I'm not clearly very self-aware. So there is something about the way I say goodbye that makes people feel a little guilty. And I was just kind of stuck in this spot where I was like, they're all laughing and it's all silly to them or whatever. But I was just like, <gasps> and it was a moment. And then I'm prepping for this message talking about self-awareness. I'm like, okay, I'm, you know, 43 years old. Um, I have, I'm not finished. I haven't like arrived. I, this pursuit of like self-awareness, there are moments where you think what you're doing and how you're functioning has a certain effect or whatever. And, but apparently there's something and I was totally unaware of that. And that's kind of how life is. We roll around, we're on this journey, we're living life and we're a bit unaware, in some cases, really, really unaware. That happened to be a little thing that wasn't a huge impact. But it was a moment of like, okay, Larry, step back. Like, you got work to do. You need to get to know yourself better. You need to be aware of the effect that you have um, on the people around you. So on um, several occasions, <coughs> Jesus got into discussions with, um, with people. We're reading through Jesus' life. This happened a few different times where Jesus would get into a discussion with people about what is the greatest commandment, this idea of all the greatest commandment. So we know Jesus was a Jew, his family, they were all Jews. Most of the people that he grew up with and spent his time with were, were Jewish. And uh, Jewish people, we know this from Old Testament uh, section of the Bible, from Hebrew scripture, 
that um, God gave the Jews a lot of commandments. There's like, there's a lot of them. You look in there, there's a lot of different things. And so as people were getting to know Jesus and they realized who he was and like this dude's wise, he knows things about God that like we know, the rest of us humans don't really get. Like God, Jesus has got some unique insight. And I appreciate that inevitably people would be like the logical question to ask is like, you know God, you know what's up, you are God. Like, what's the, there's a lot of commandments, Jesus. Like, what's the greatest one? Could you boil it down for us a little bit and let us know what, um, what are the, what's the really important one? Like, if we get that, we're, we're good. And uh, Jesus is a nice guy, and he obliged. And so Jesus, uh, his response was, love God. That's the greatest commandment. And Jesus would very quickly interject the next, the second commandment. It would say the, fir- the second one is just like the first one. Love God. And then he would say, love your neighbor as yourself. It's right up there with loving God. So I'm not sure if you've ever noticed this before. It's kind of fascinating to me that in those two commandments, love God and love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus actually says to love three people. Love God, love your neighbor, and love yourself. Love God, love your neighbor the same way that you love yourself. And as we study through scripture and the teaching of Jesus and the teaching of the apostles, we really get this idea if we let ourselves open ourselves up to it, that we are lovable, that we deserve love. We're lovable. God loves us despite the mess and the mix up and the confusion and all that. We're lovable. We are worthy of God's love and other people's love, and we are enough. And we spent some time in the fall wrestling with that idea. We are enough. Just the way you are, you are enough. And scripture also talks an incredible amount and pushes us and encourages us towards self-awareness. Knowing our hearts, knowing our minds, knowing what's going on inside of us. So from the emotionally healthy relationship, if you've had a chance to take the emotionally healthy relationships class, if you remember in, uh, there's one lesson on listening learning how to be really good listeners. And one of the phrases in that lesson is, listening is so important, it is almost exactly identical to loving someone. Listening to someone is like loving someone. So when I love you, I am present with you. I'm aware of you and who you are and what's going on in your life. I am listening, I'm an attentive listener, and I'm concerned and aware of what is happening in the midst of your life. And to love myself is that same sort of thing, to listen to my heart, to my mind, to be aware of what is going on inside of me. And self-awareness is one of the ways that we spend time and energy, becoming aware of what's going on inside of us, listening well to our inner selves, to our emotions and our thoughts, the feelings and the things that are swirling around inside of us. And so we need to invest our time in this idea of self-awareness of getting to know ourselves and understanding um, what's going on inside of us. How can you and I love others well if we're not aware of what's going on inside of us, if we're not aware of the effect that we're having on people? If I'm doing something that makes you feel guilty, then I'm not really loving you all that well. And so I need to invest in my own awareness of myself to reflect and examine um, myself to ensure that I'm loving you and loving others well. So at Everyday Church, we often refer to um, following Jesus as a journey. Uh, 
part of that is so that I have reason to bring maps up here, you know, because a journey, you need maps. But we talk a lot about following Jesus as a journey, life as a journey, which following is you're going somewhere. Something's happening, and you're following um, Jesus. That this idea of life not simply as a destination, like that there's a day where we wake up and we're like, oh, I've arrived at this sort of perfected state, and I'm all good and whole, and everything in the world is fine. That life is a journey of highs and lows, of experiences, of following Jesus through the midst of the hills and the valleys uh, that we face in life, of living our lives on this journey in Jesus and with Jesus and with his family, living this life God's way, following and seeking his way. So the Apostle Paul uh, he often wrote what it looks like to kind of visually, if you were to kind of look into someone's life, what it looks like when we're living our lives God's way, when we're kind of following along with what God has in, uh, in mind. If you and I are living our lives the way God that kind of desires and talks about us living our life, what does that look like? What would be visible? What would be seen in that kind of a life? And so in Paul's letter to uh, the Corinthians in the geographic area of Galatia, so it's the, he's writing to Christians in the church in this area around Galatia, and I thought it's really cool on a topo map, so I could put that up for you, but I couldn't find a topo map of Galatia. So um, anyways, uh, he's speaking to these Galatian Christians, the Christians in that area, and he's talking about this idea of living life in the Spirit. So we, we reference that now and then, living life in the Spirit or by the Holy Spirit or with the Holy Spirit, in tune with um, the Holy Spirit. And so Paul is talking about this idea and painting a picture of what it looks like, what it might look like if we were living a life kind of following the Spirit and being in the Spirit and in tune with the Holy Spirit. If we lived our lives that way, it's going to look a certain way. There's going to be some things that are visible in our life. And Paul refers to those as the fruit of the Spirit, this fruit that begins to emerge from our life as we journey with um, the Holy Spirit. And uh, that this fruit is going to just kind of emerge the way fruit does in our lives. So I want to read for you um, the fruit of the Spirit as Paul talks about it in just a, just a moment, but I want to give you a little background before I do that. So it's good to understand Paul was writing about 2,000 years ago, and um, the language that Paul used was not English, it was not Spanish, it was not any of the modern languages really that are spoken today. So Paul was using the language of his day, which the common language was Greek, and so he wrote this letter in Greek. And that was a really long time ago. So in over the course of time, different people, translators, uh, are attempting to take what Paul said in this language that we don't use, Greek, and turn it into our languages so that we can actually make sense of it. And so they have this process or this uh, challenge of taking w Paul's words and what he meant in those words and with those words and turning them into words that make um, sense to us Today, so the New International Version of the Bible um, is an English translation of the Bible. It's been developed over the last 50 uh, or so years and refined, and they came out with a new edition of the New International Version a few years ago. Uh, it is the English translation that we use a lot here. We also use New Living Translation, uh, sometimes New American Standard, which is a little older. Uh, in our, the reason we'll use the different translations of the Bible is to... Uh, different people will translate things slightly different. And sometimes it's helpful to look at a few different translations to try to get the idea of what Paul or other writers of scripture uh, were meaning. So, and then we have a couple of different Spanish translations that we use also. So I am gonna show you first the uh, fruit of the spirit using the new international version um, 
of, uh, the f- of this passage from Galatians 5, and uh, along with the Spanish translation. So let me read this, uh, this fruit of the Spirit passage for you. So Paul says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So that's a nice list, like this fruit that emerges from it. The problem is, I don't know what some of those words mean. And I don't, maybe I think I know what they mean, but I'm not sure I know what Paul meant when he said these Greek words that were then translated into forbearance. That's not a word I use very often. Um, Sometimes that's translated as patience in some some versions. Um, So some of these words, I don't maybe get really what he's talking about. So there's another translation that we will sometimes reference. It's called the message. And um, I, we're going to take a look at the message translation of the fruit of the Spirit in just a moment. So the message was written by a man by the name of Eugene Peterson, who was an incredible teacher and scholar, uh, passed away just recently, you may have heard. Um, and there's been a lot of people talking about his life and the way he lived. He was actually a small church pastor for much of his life. And his reason, primary motivation for writing the message, uh, the message is a paraphrase of Scripture, And his primary reason for writing the message was to help people like you and me in his church that didn't really understand what some of the words meant. And so he worked hard to paraphrase, take scripture, and uh, and use contemporary words and language to help understand some of the things that we encounter in scripture. And he often did a really brilliant job of giving us a clearer picture of maybe what the original writer, in this case Paul, uh, was talking about, and that's exactly what um, happens in this passage uh, with the the fruit of the spirit. So here's what we're gonna do. I need a couple couple people to help me hand some stuff out. You guys handy? Oh. Okay. So this is um, what's called a lectio divina um, worksheet. So lectio divina is uh, sacred reading. Is all that means. It's a process that Christians have been using for hundreds of years to to go through sort of a process of looking at a passage of scripture and see how we might encounter God in that, in that scripture. Um, we're not going to go through the Lectio Divina process right now. So here's what I need you guys to do. You're curious, and Lectio Divina stuff is really cool, and so it's tempting to start at the top and start reading. You're going to have to hold on that till you get home. So I gave you this page. So one, you can do Electio Divina sometime this week with this passage. Uh, it's English on one side, Spanish on the other. So that you can go through Electio Divina sometime this week um, using the Fruit of the Spirit passage. We're going to skip that for today, and we're just going to look at the message version at the bottom. So if you go all the way to the bottom, it's got uh, both the New International Version and the message translation uh, at the bottom. We're going to look at that. But I really would encourage you to take um, some time this week do the Lectio Divina process. Um, you can do it with a few people if you want. You can do it by yourself. Either way, it's really valuable. The other cool thing is you have this, so you can substitute and put any passage. If you're reading a psalm or there's some passage of Scripture that you're looking at uh, through the court you run into, and you're like, wow, what does that mean? Um, you can go through a process of Lectio Divina, follow this process with any passage of Scripture, uh, and it's really valuable for kind of hearing from God. So jump down to the bottom of the page, to Galatians chapter 5. So I already read the New International Version of the Fruit of the Spirit. I want to read um, and just kind of follow as I read the message translation. So this is Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of um, the Fruit of the Spirit. What happens 
when we live God's way. He brings gifts into our life much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. So just take a minute and read down through that again and look for some words that maybe jump out at you. I'm just going to give you time to read down through there one more time. So what happens when we live our lives God's way? What becomes evident in our lives? What fruit emerges over time through the course of following the Holy Spirit and living our life God's way? This is not destination language. When, when Paul is talking here, the idea of fruit, fruit grows gradually over time. It's the process of the years of growing and maturing um, fruit isn't like I've arrived and suddenly all the fruit is there. It's a lifetime uh, and a journey. And uh, that is really important for us to hold in our minds as we're spending time looking at our lives and, uh, and looking at what's going on inside of us. And when I look at that list, it's uh, especially as Eugene Peterson has it in the message, it's very obvious to me that uh, those things aren't going to just happen. If I'm rolling through life without self-awareness, if, if I'm not really putting energy into getting to know what's going on inside of me, those fruit of the Spirit, they're not going to naturally show up in my life. And so this idea of self-awareness is, um, is really important. So you are here. We're all here. This room together doesn't matter how long it took you to get here. doesn't matter what path you took to get here. We're all here. Same starting point. And we have the opportunity in 2019 and the lives in front of us to really get to know ourselves, to spend some time processing through and looking inside and seeing what's going on in there. What does God want us to see and what does he want to share with us as we, um, as we reflect and encourage one another and support one another in this process of becoming more self-aware. So I'm uh, a big fan of a guy by the name of Parker Palmer. He's uh, a writer and a teacher from the Quaker Christian tradition. He, I have personally received a lot of help from his writing uh, in my life, particularly in some traumatic sort of seasons of my life. And I really uh, appreciate his own journey, Parker Palmer's journey, and then the way he writes and speaks and shares that journey with others. Uh, at one point in Parker Palmer's life, um, I don't know how you, Parker's, I guess you can just say Parker's life. Parker Palmer, it just sounds, just flows. Parker Palmer. So at one point in Parker's life, um, he was looking for a faith community. He had kind of come to a point where he felt like he needed a supporting faith community to be a part of.
<laughs> the nice thing is I'm going to sound so much better using her mic. A beautiful singing voice. I might even be inspired to sing the rest of the message to you guys. I hope your chord's long enough. There you go. Okay. I want to hold both of them. So what was I saying? <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. Just adjust. Can you turn it up a little bit so I don't have to feel so close? Okay. All right. So Parker Palmer, great guy. <laughs> all right. So he was looking for uh, a faith community, kind of in his own journey, someone to a group of people to share his journey with. And uh, he finds this Quaker community that he, um, folks that he kind of plugs in and gets involved in. And I want to read how he describes this community of, of people. So here's what he said. They were reaching in toward their own wholeness, reaching out towards the world's need and trying to live their lives at this intersection of the two. And I love the, the imagery that he gives there, the kind of picture that he paints for us with his words. They're not just reaching in. They're not just concerned about their own brokenness and wholeness and finding wholeness. But they're also not just selfless and out there dealing with the problems of the world. That somehow they were able to live in this tension of personal wholeness and the needs of the world. Personal wholeness and a life on mission. Living a life that loves and cares and is concerned about the brokenness of the world and the needs of the people around them. Concerned about the wholeness, the peace, the shalom of the community around them and the world around them and also their own wholeness and peace and shalom. Now, wouldn't it be great if that just came naturally to us, that we're just like, oh, personal wholeness, the needs of the world, and it just, we just rolled with that. But it, it just doesn't work that way. We know that neither of those actually seeking wholeness internally and seeking wholeness and shalom in the world around us, neither of those things actually come naturally to us or come easy. We need help. And that's why Parker Palmer was looking for a community, a group of people that he could share that journey with. And I think it is a gift that we have a church like this and a community that we get to um, to share the journey with as we seek to love one another well and to love our neighbors and our community and the world around us well. So you are here, we are here together, and for the next four Sundays, we're going to dive in to some different areas of our life. We're going to look at four different sort of areas or categories of kind of what makes us up and our life. And uh, we're going to use a structure that we found. Hold on a second. Not a map. <laughs> Another map that we found on a map. <laughs> no, actually. Good, good, good guess, though. Um, that we found in this book called Designing Your Life. So Designing Your Life, a cool book. Um, it's career-oriented, but it really looks at kind of the wholeness of our lives. Uh, it's a super cool book, actually. I, um, I have a feeling that, well, you're going to get to know this book a little bit better over the next couple of weeks. I also have a feeling that some of you are going to want to go out and buy this book and start a little book club or a uh, study group or whatever. I'm actually in a Designing Your Life book club that started last June and um, uh, with a couple of friends and a couple of people that I didn't really know very well before, uh, before we got together. So a few things to know about the book. There's a book, and then there's this cool, um, like, journal-y activity book that goes along with it that I just found. Um, things to know about this book. It's a beautiful blue color <laughs> that I really like. It's, like, pleasant to the eye. Um, that's really important for books. 
<laughs> so uh, the authors of this book, there's two, two, different, uh, two different folks, Bill Burnett and Dave Evans. They're both believers, but this isn't a Christian book. You're not going to be like finding scripture and that sort of thing in here. So it's written by believers, but it isn't uh, specifically a Christian book. It's um, largely about career and work, but it is talking about career and work in our life uh, in the context of our whole life and really looking for what does it look like to, um, to find fulfillment and to thrive in the things that we do uh, in our life and the way in which we work, but in the context of our whole life, which is one of the activities that we're going to kind of look at today. So the first several chapters of the book are great for anybody. It doesn't matter whether you're looking at career stuff or not. Uh, super practical book. There's lots of different activities that you do uh, to help practice and learn a lot of, a lot of reflection sort of things and becoming more self-aware, which is one of the reasons it's, um, it's pretty valuable. And the book is this pretty blue color that um, I really love. So keep that in mind. Even if it's just sitting like in your house somewhere, you'll be like, oh, the book is so pretty. So, uh, all right. Um, so the first exercise in the book we're going to do together today, uh, it's pretty simple. It's a, a pretty simple um, self-awareness exercise that we're going to try out uh, as we're hanging out together. And uh, the, the first exercise is called the dashboard exercise. And so it's trying to get a quick look at these different areas of your life. And uh, the dashboard uses four different categories uh, of your self of life. And the four categories are work, play, love, and health. Work, play, love, and health. We're actually going to use those as the topics for the next four weeks. So Wendy's going to come up and teach on work, and uh, I think I'm on health, and then Wendy on love, and Alberto in four weeks on, uh, on play. That's the last one. So we're going to spend a week looking at each of those and doing some activities and exercises that will help us evaluate and get a, get a picture of, in that category, where am I? You are here. This is where you are. What is our current reality, and what might we uh, need to look at and focus and spend energy on through the course of our lives, and particularly in 2019. Uh, so I think it's going to be uh, a lot of fun. It's important to remember the focus is self-awareness, not others' awareness. <laughs> so this isn't a like, well, I'm doing that better than you are, or my play, I play way better than you do, bro. <laughs> like, that's not a like looking around, others' awareness, judging, critiquing other people. And it's a lot easier to do that, honestly, than it is to look at our own lives and be self-aware. And so we got to hold that in our minds. This is about uh, journeying with Jesus, with God into ourselves and really getting to know some of these things about us. All right. Make sense? You ready for the dashboard exercise? I think we have a dashboard slide. Yeah. Dum, dum, dum. Sorry. All right, more paper. Is there a blank one that we could start with first? Did you put the blank, the blank uh, one up there or just that no one, Wendy? One. Just that one, okay. All right, so this is just somebody's, thanks, um, somebody's example that they sketched. So you are getting a piece of paper. You're going to want this piece of paper, and you're probably going to want a pen or a pencil of some kind. Let me talk through this dashboard thing a little bit so you kind of understand what's going on. I'm going to walk over here. All right, so the dashboard, four different areas. Everybody got, a, everybody got what they need? Raise your hand if you need piece of paper or pen or whatever. All right, we're good. If you need a drink, we're gonna, this is going to take us maybe 10 minutes or so, so we're going to be working on this, just relaxing. If you need to grab a drink, feel free to run over there. And um, if you notice yourself avoiding doing the exercise and going to get a drink, 
be aware of that. <laughs> just notice, I really don't want to do this. I think I'm going to go get a drink. Oh, I've got to go to the bathroom, oddly, and then we're done. So if you, know, if you find yourself feeling that way, just notice that. Just observe that. Maybe write that down somewhere on your paper so you can think about it uh, later. Okay, so four different areas of the dashboard. Work, play, love, and health. So first thing to note, Wendy and I were chatting about this. We're like, there's a lot of people in New York City that don't drive. So the idea of a tank that's empty and full, maybe that's not the best analogy for you. But the idea here is like a tank of gas or f uh, some sort of thing that's empty sometimes and full sometimes. You could also think of it as a ranking of zero to four. So one, two, three, four. Uh, and so that's the concept here. So we're looking at these different areas and saying, am I empty in that area? Am I full in that area? Uh, now, I can't tell you what empty and full are for you. This is a process of self-awareness, of you looking and saying, what does it mean for me to be empty in this area of love or in health or full? So the, the concept, though, would be that if you were full or over here at the end, everything is great. So work life is just amazing. I can't improve anything. It's just like my health is perfect. I am everything I want to be. I feel I, everything. It's my teeth are perfect. Everything is just perfect. So this end would be the like perfection state. Uh, this over here would be like, I don't have teeth. And I don't know how to get teeth and I can't eat. I have to chop everything up and whatever, you know. So this would be like, everything is terrible. Maybe I'm dead. This is like somewhere close to there. So that's the idea. Those are extremes. The reality is none of us are in a state of perfection. Okay, just remember that. None of us are in a state of perfection. None of us are completely empty, but you might be pretty low. So uh, you're, the idea is you want to kind of find the spot in each of these different areas where you fall. Uh, okay, so a quick explanation of the categories. So work. It's very easy for us in, us, uh, in the environment that we're in, the world that we're in, to think immediately money. So work equals money. Now, that may be true for you, but there's different people in different stages of life, some that are, haven't started working because they're going to school or at a state where they're not really working yet, or disability or some sort of thing that keeps you from doing a normal paid job, or maybe you're later in your life, you've retired, and you don't need to do, a, you don't have a paid job. So work does not equal paid job. So it's really important to hold that in your mind. Work is the category that you would think of around like um, productivity, there's something adulting, something that's like productive in my life. So it might be volunteering. That might be a, a part of work for you. Uh, it, it's family responsibilities, home responsibilities. Uh, there's lots of different things that sort of fall in this work category that aren't equated to money. And it's really important to think about that sort of category. This is the productivity outcome. Like I do something and there's something that is produced or uh, it comes out of that thing that I do. So that's the work uh, category. Um, I'll come back to that in a second and just talk about my own dashboard in a, in a minute. Play is like the opposite of that. Play is not the work, the um, productivity category. We live in a productivity society, so we put productivity into everything. Mm -hmm. But play is about delight and rest, things that we do for the joy of it, not like, so you might think like, oh, I really enjoy working out. Okay, but if your working out is to produce something, for an outcome, then there's a chance that it falls more into this work sort of category. Or if you're like a competitive racer, and you're like, oh, I just love that. 
but there's a competitive mode to it that isn't, it isn't just about doing it for the joy of it. So uh, now you, you, you'll have to figure that out, kind of where, where those things might fall for you. But just keep in mind, this play area is more oriented around delight and joy and rest and the things that fill you as opposed to you're spending yourself to accomplish something. Um, love, this is the relationship category. A lot of times we think love, we think romantic, but it's not just, rom it might be romantic for you, but it's also family and friends and coworkers and the way in which love goes out from you to others and comes from others to you. So this is the relationship sort of bucket uh, of the four. And health would be our state of being. So physical health, mental health, emotional health, spiritual health. You might put financial health there for, that might be a helpful place to think, like these other areas are good, but my finances are a wreck. Um, so that is kind of that area of health. Does that make sense? Kind of the categories? Okay, let me give you, this is somebody's. I don't know who made this, but they're a really cool drawer. And um, uh, so I wanted to give you an example of kind of what it looked like. For me, um, they also added these little things that took me a second to figure out like what this is. And when he was like, uh, warning lights, like, oh, yeah. So when something's getting empty, a light comes on and dashboard, you know, whatever. So that's what that is. You can add that if you like. Um, it's cool looking. So, uh, all right. So for me, I first did this works, um, this activity in um, last June, I think. So I do one of the work things that I do. I have two jobs, primary jobs. One is church stuff, and the other is tax and finance stuff. So I have a business that I do which is super busy for the first five months of the year. So right after that, I was filling this thing out and I was like, I am empty, my work sucks, like this is terrible. And I gave myself like a one, uh, way over here, like this is not good. And as soon as I did it, I was like, huh, this is depressing. And I had to do some self-awareness stuff, ask myself some questions and process through. And I realized I actually love the work that I do, but there are seasons where I work way I work crazy amount of hours just because of the nature of the work that I do and the combination of having multiple jobs. If you're someone who has multiple jobs, you realize sometimes those conflict and you end up having to work lots of hours. So what was going on is that I was just working a lot during that season and it wasn't feeling very good. So then I had to say, okay, I don't want this to be so low. What am I gonna do? Like, how do I approach and rethink this work category? And I realized I have to work really hard at resting well. So I have to make sure I stick with my Friday Sabbath, make sure I get that day off. Um, I have to plan my rest. So if you look at my calendar for this tax season, I've got different trips and getaways and days off or whatever scheduled in there in advance before my schedule gets really busy. So I know I've got those things to look forward to. So I just have to work a lot harder during those busy times to make sure that I'm doing the play and spending time with my, uh, my family and friends and keeping myself healthy. If I stop sleeping because I'm working too much or whatever, it's really bad. So all of these areas can go down as well if I'm not careful. So that's the idea. This, this work thing, if you're like, I got a job, I get paid well, ding, that's, there's a lot more to, uh, to it. Uh, I hate my job. Okay, what is that? What is it about your job? Maybe it's the arrangement of your life. There might be other complications like there were for me. I love my jobs, but I have to work really hard to keep them at a healthy level and arrangement. All right, make sense? Okay, so what I'm gonna do is give you uh, some time here to just spend some time and do this sort of thing. Just kind of draw it in where you think you would be on each of these. And I would encourage you to take some notes uh, as you're doing that down in each section to um, if there's certain words or ideas or situations that pop into your mind, write those down. And your goal is to kind of get an overall picture in these different areas of how you are
doing with the four. Okay? All right, go. All right, I'm sure you could spend some more time um, working on that stuff. Uh, so a couple of thoughts. It's possible you got some low, it's probable that you've got some areas that are lower um, that you kind of have more towards the empty side. Uh, the idea of this is self-awareness. Maybe it's not something you realized or maybe you haven't spent time saying why maybe is it like that. Um, so the next four weeks, we're going to look at each of those different categories and spend some time talking, looking at some scripture, doing some exercises that will help us dig more into those areas. So is this isn't a like, oh my gosh, I got to fix this right now. That you might feel that way, especially if you're certain personality types. We got to jump on it. Some personality types are like throwing this away. I'm not going to think about that. So um, depending on how you are, who you are. Um, there's different ways that you might need to kind of walk forward from here. We're going to give space to this over the course of the next month. Uh, but I would encourage you to chat with friends, talk with uh, the people around you. If you're an introvert, you might need to spend a good bit of time just sort of processing this stuff first and then invite somebody in that you can start chatting with about it. If you're extrovert, it might be a lot harder for you to really get your mind around things. And so you need somebody to verbalize things with and share and have them listen well and reflect back to you what they're hearing. Uh, so... This is a chance for us to love one another well and to support each other in this process of um, pursuit of self-awareness. And uh, this is a really good exercise to revisit periodically. So if you've done some work in an area, come back in a month or two and say, okay, how am I doing now? And, uh, and readjust or reevaluate maybe how things look on your, uh, your dashboard. So one of the, one of there's a statement that they make in the book that was very fascinating to me, which I think really supports what we're, we're talking about and the philosophy really that we have as a church. Um, oftentimes people will say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they rephrased that question and said, instead of saying, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like that's a rival language. That's destination language. The life is about growth. And so the way they rephrased it was who or what do you want to grow into? So this is a part of this journey that we're on and growing and maturing as humans, as followers of Jesus, as friends, as family. We're on a journey and we get to decide like sort of the path a little bit of how we grow and the direction and the ways in which we grow. And uh, that's really our goal through the series is to give us all a chance to reflect and process through how are we growing and in what do we want to grow um, into. So. Last, I mentioned the Enough series that we did in the fall, and I just want to kind of land on this. Band, you guys can come on, uh, come on up. I just want to land on a reminder that um, this is not about performing for Jesus. This isn't about performing for God. Is God is not looking at you and saying, wow, your dashboard's a mess, get your act together. God loves you. He wants to help and support you. If your dashboard is a mess, all of ours are in different ways. We need help and support and encouragement. And the encouragement that we get from God is you are enough. Just the way you are, you're enough. I love you. You don't have to do anything to get me to love you or to love you more. You're enough. And Jesus demonstrated that for us. Scripture says that while we were still sinners, while we were still a mess, Jesus died. While we're, scripture says that while we were enemies of God, we weren't just messy, we were against God. While we were against God, humanity against God and broken and distant from God, Jesus died on the cross because he loved us and he wanted to restore us and make a way for us to be in relationship. So it's really important that we hold on to that as we talk with friends and encourage one another. You're enough. I'm enough. 
We're just on this journey where we're maturing and learning how to love one another well and love our community well.